I'm overwhelmed. Uh, thank you. Thank you, PT. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be... I'm overwhelmed. Amen. It's such a pleasure to be part of this family. Um, I came here in, in 2012. Well, 2012, yeah. 2012. And, and uh, you know, wasn't married. It was just me. Just graduated from business school. Didn't have a job. And when I look at what God has done um, in, in that time and, and, and the progress that I see in my life and, and, and the growth and the blessings, I am deeply humbled. I am deeply blessed to be part of this house. And so I just bless the name of the Lord. And, I, and I sure, I'm sure that many of you who have similar testimonies of God's grace and growth and God's influence. And if you just love the Lord this morning, if he has been a way maker, if he has been your healer, if he has been your helper, if he has been the friend that stuck closer than the brother, if he has been the lover of your soul, why don't you just bless him who is, who was, who is to come, who is our father who is our friend, who is our, our maker, who is our redeemer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love, I love not just the Lord and, and, and all that he has done and, and his many goodness and favors in my life, but I also celebrate the man of God. Um, Bishop Green, uh, you know, I, I'm a child of a minister, right? So my father uh, is a minister at a big, in, in a big ministry where, you know, the, the ministers serve, they have their day jobs and they serve in the church, right? And they get kind of moved around to serve in different parishes of the, of the, of the church. And you get to see church. When you're, you know, when you're, when you're in that setting, and I've seen a lot of church, but you know, Bishop Green is a man of God. He's a true man of God. He, he, he carries himself with great grace, but with also with great humility and and with great commitment to the people of God. And it's not everywhere that you go that you can sense the presence of God and you can feel the presence of God when you come to church. And that is a direct result, I believe, of the person that is the pastor over this house. So just as you celebrate God, I want you to celebrate his gift to this house and the visionary Bishop Green. I celebrate you, sir. The Bible says to, to count worthy of double honor the elders that rule well. Because they're elders that don't rule well. Uh, so the ones that rule well, the Bible says they're worthy of double honor. And so I celebrate also the elders of this house. Um, I celebrate the, the leadership and all the people who serve and who hold up the hand of Bishop Green. 
because it takes teamwork, uh, as someone said, to make the dream work. And so, so uh, we, are, we honor um, also the elders. I want to also um, just honor Lady Common. Um, you know, as I said, my father's a minister. I know what it means to support a minister and to have, you know, somebody who carries a lot of the burden but, do, but doesn't also get the accolades and doesn't get to stand in front of everybody all the time. And so we celebrate you also. And um, today, I, 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 I just felt like what God was, God has been dealing with my heart about a few things in the course of the year. And, you know, believe it or not, it's, it's June 2nd today. So we're already halfway, we're at the halfway point. And um, I believe it is, uh, oh, it was either Socrates, Plato, or Aristotle, one of those philosophers who said, um, the unexamined life is not worth living. So every every time that you get the opportunity, it's 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 always a good thing to spend some time and think about your life and, and it, the direction that you're going and, and what it is that you're doing. And God's been dealing with my heart. There's been some conviction in my heart about some things that God has co- told me to do, expressly told me to do that I haven't done, right? And so I'm I'm going to speak today. Uh, about some of the things that God's been dealing with, with me about, um, but also in the context of you know, the celebration of Bishop's service, because I, 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 I do believe that God calls all of us to serve. Every single one of us. Um, you know, we're not all going to be pastors. We're not all going to be, uh, we're not gonna, all going to be people who get a chance to do sort of ministry in the way that we think about doing ministry. But God has called every single one of us. And God's been dealing with my heart about some things that he's called me to do that I haven't done. And I haven't been faithful to do. And I haven't been faithful to, to, to do consistently. And, 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 and I believe that today is a good opportunity to remind us all that we are all called to serve. And I want to use for a title... Call to shine. Call to shine because every believer is called to shine. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 16, it said, Let your light so shine before men that may, they may see your good deeds. Uh, uh, don't do the slides yet. <laughs> you're giving away the... You're giving away the um, they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we're all called to shine. Uh, and, and, you know, there's an acronym that I, and I was sitting in traffic one day this week as I was thinking about the, the, you know, the message, and I was sitting in traffic, and shine just, it was illuminated in my heart. We're all called to spread his name, his influence and name everywhere, shine. And that's what God has called us to do, to spread his influence and his name everywhere. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to read for a text, um, the story of David. It's in 1 Samuel, the story of David's anointing. So if you go to the first slide now, 1 Samuel uh, is that the first slide? Okay. Good thing I know where the scripture is. <laughs> All right. So 1 Samuel 16, and I'm going to read from 
verse 5. It's the story of David's anointing. And for context, what happened before this part of the scripture that we're going to read is... um, Israel tells God, we want to be like the other nations. We want a king. And so he gives them Saul. And Saul messes up and, and, and God says, I've rejected him and I've picked somebody else, David. And Samuel is, is heartbroken because he likes Saul. <laughs> but God says, no, no, no. You've, you've mourned for Saul too, too long. I've already picked David. Go to Bethlehem. Go to the house of a, of a man named Jesse. And one of his sons is going to be king. Now, Samuel says to God, he says, well, if I go to anoint another king and Saul hears about it, he's going to kill me. So, what do I do? And some, you know, God gives him an idea. And so he goes to, to Bethlehem and he, he disguises his, the reason why he came. So he, he says, you know, I, I just came to worship. I just came to, you know, hang out with you guys. And actually, it was so terrifying to the people because, you know, he was the prophet. He was the prophet. He was literally the voice of God working in the earth at the time. So, so when he got there, the elders of Bethlehem, they were, they were petrified. They said, have you come peaceably or have you come with bad news? And this is where we pick up the story in verse 5. And he, this is Samuel, he said, peaceably. So I've come peaceably and I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Again, he doesn't tell them why exactly he's come. He just tells them, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. And then he says to them, sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and he invited them to the sacrifice. And so it was when they came that he looked at Eliab. Eliab is the first son of Jesse. And he said, surely the Lord, the Lord's anointed is before him. Now, Samuel is not a fake prophet. He's the voice of God. Hello. Yeah, perfect. Hey, man. So he sees Eliab, and he says, oh, surely this one is the anointed of God. And <laughs> this is what the Lord says. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused to him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Another version says, the Lord does not consider as man considers. For he looks, for man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Now Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And so, you know, the, the story kind of goes on. There's Eliab, there's Abinadab, there's Shammah, brother four, five, six, seven. <laughs> and so they, you know, they, they, do the, they do the beauty pageants. And, and, and God didn't pick any of those ones. And then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? 
Now, when I read this text, it, it was kind of interesting to me because I was, I was saying to myself, what kind of parent? The prophet, his instruction was very simple. Bring your sons. We're going to sacrifice to the Lord. What kind of parent leaves one of the sons behind? And not just one of the sons, the youngest son. Amen? So he, he, he says, are this, are this all your sons? And Jesse says, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. See, there's one guy. There's, there's, yeah, there's one more guy. And then Samuel says to him, he says, send and bring him. He said, we will not sit down until he comes. And so he went and brought him. This is um, verse 12 now. He said, he was ready with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Amen. I also want to read um, from ch chapter 17, verse 17. And then Jesse said to his son David, now take for your brothers a jar of this dried grain. Sorry. Now take for, now, can we get that on the screen? Ah, all right. Now take for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and, ten, and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. Verse 20. So David rose early in the morning and left his sheep with a keeper and took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. Now, so David was watching, watching the sheep. He left them with somebody else. And then he went and did as his father said. Um, I was supposed to release the kingdom kids. Not today. Okay. Kingdom kids? No kingdom kids. Okay. All right. I was just following the instructions. <laughs> Um, all right, and then I want to jump to I want to jump to tw verse twenty-eight of of chapter seventeen. So now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he he speaking of David now spoke to the men, and Eliab Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said. Why did you come down here? Now, did Eliab not know the reason why David came? He knew. Because he got the bread. You know, his father sent him with some sandwiches and cheese. and So Eliab obviously got the bread. And, but he says, when he heard David talking to the men, he says his anger was kindled against David. And he says, why have you come down here? And with whom have you left the sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and I know your insolence. You have just come here to see the battle. Isn't that a very mean way to talk to somebody who's brought you food? And it begins to give us a picture, at least gives me a picture, that David wasn't the most regarded in his family. 
His father didn't regard him. His brothers didn't particularly regard him either. He said, where have you kept a few sheep? He said, we give you a few sheep. We, we, we give you something to keep you busy and out of sight. Now you've come and you, 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 want, to, you want to start talking to, to, to soldiers? Where are the few? You know, I know your pride. I know what you're trying to do. Right? The last portion of scripture that I want to read is from Ephesians 2. And by the grace of God, we'll bring all of this together as we go through. Ephesians 2. And verse 10. You know the scripture. So for, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which, he, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Amen. So God has prepared good works that we should walk in from before the foundations of the earth, the Apostle Paul says. Let us pray. Our Father, we honor you. We thank you for the opportunity that you give us to come before you. We thank you for your presence this morning. You are already here. Your word is already blessed. So bless us, your people. Bless me as speaker, oh God, that I will not speak with my own understanding. But that, Lord, you will cause your spirit to walk through me and that your voice will resonate in my voice. And that my pen, oh God, my, my tongue, oh God, will be as the pen of a ready writer. I will speak the words that you want to inscribe in the hearts of your people. Bless your people, oh God, to be hearers but also to be doers. That the word will not go forth void, but it will, it will do the work for which it is sent. And that your name alone will be glorified. And so we honor you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're called to shine. And I think one of the, one of the first things that is, that's important to understand as, or to have as a foundation as we think about this is, 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 is what God intended at the beginning of creation. So if we go to the first slide now. In Genesis 1, verse 27-28, now, God created mankind in his image, and the he, he, Bible says that he blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, every living thing on the ground. And if you read you know, the, 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 the whole of the story, the Bible talks about God coming to fellowship with Adam in the, in the cool of the day, in the evening. And so God gives Adam this work to do. And he's going around doing it. He's organizing the animals. He's working on strict uh, systems of taxonomy, of you know, nomenclature, naming things and organizing them. And God is visiting him. He's, in, he's made in the image of God. And he's doing work in the earth. And what happens is the work that Adam begins to do in the earth begins to produce fruit or begins to produce the imprint of God in the earth, right? Because he has a connection to God. So the things, so he's naming the animals. He's doing all that stuff, but he's doing it with the influence of God. 
So God, in a sense, begins to rule in the earth through man that he made in his image. And that's the intent of God, that the, 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 the earth would be filled with his glory as heaven is already filled with his glory. And that's what God wants. So the, man is connected to God. Man has a physical, he has a physical beliefs in the earth. And his, connect, his spiritual connection with God causes the reality of God's kingdom in heaven to be manifest in the earth. But then man falls, right? So that connection is broken. And he eats of the, tr- of the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. So man then begins to decide for himself what is good and evil and begins to live in the earth, begins to do in the earth based on his knowledge of what is good and what is evil. So when he's cast out from, from the garden, everything that man does henceforth is based on his knowledge of what is good and evil. Now, how many of you know that's a problem? <laughs> Because our knowledge of good and evil is corrupted. Sometimes things look good and they're bad. How many of you heard that story of, um, uh, it's like the story of the, of the duck, uh, you know, or is it the geese? I forget. But there's a bird. And, <laughs> and, um, and you know, yeah, uh, uh, no, it's the bird where everyone, you know, all the, all the birds fly they fly south for winter. And this bird just says, I'm not going to fly south. I'm just going to stay here. Like why, you know, like, why do we all fly south? I'm just going to stay here. Okay? And so he stays there, and then, you know, it begins to get cold. And the bird realizes, oh, this is why people fly south. <laughs> and so that, the bird then decides, you know, now I'm going to fly south. But now, you know, he's flying south by himself, right? Because all the other birds already flew. So he's flying, and he's flying, and he's flying. And because it's cold, his wings get frozen. And then the bird drops out of the sky. And, you know, he's shivering, and he's saying to himself, oh, this is so terrible. I'm cold and shivering. And then right there, while he's cold and shivering, um, a cow does what all healthy cows do. You know, they eat. And then they poop, right? So the cow poops on the duck. And the duck is like, this is so terrible. <laughs> like, you know, this is, it's not, I mean, I'm frozen. I miss, I miss, I miss, you know, I should have gone south. I didn't go. And now this, this, so the, the cow poops on the duck. But and an interesting thing happens. Because the cow poops on the duck, the duck begins to thaw from the warmth of the poop. And so he's like, oh, this is good. And so he's, you know, he's coming out of it and he's getting better. And then all of a sudden, a hyena passes by. And then he sees, oh, there's a duck right there. And he grabs and he eats it. Now, that's... (laughs) <laughs> that's not a great end to the story, but <laughs> but 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 here the, the the moral of the story is this: not everything that seems like it's bad, not everyone who gets you in trouble is your enemy, not anyone who gets you out of trouble 
is your friend. Because the animal, it cleans all the poops off the dock and it eats it. Right? So sometimes in our own knowledge, if we're left to our own knowledge, I know that was a really long story to tell. But if, I, <laughs> if we're left to our own knowledge, the, the choices that we make that we think are for good sometimes get us in trouble. And the, the, the ones that we make to get out of trouble sometimes gets us even deeper into trouble. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit to guide us. But not only do we suffer the consequences as individuals of our fallen state and our, and our inability to make you know, the right choice about what's good and evil, our society, our families, the world also suffers with us. So the Bible says that all of creation is groaning. And what, what creation is groaning for is, that, is, is for the manifestation of the sons of God. Amen? So, God's original intent was to bring heaven's influence, his glory, into the earth. Man falls, but then God has a plan. He sends, praise be to God, he sends Christ. And Christ redeems us. So now we have that connection to God restored. Amen? Amen. And so, God then says to us as believers, if you go to the next slide, that I still want to bring my influence to earth. But I want to do it through you now. Because you have been restored to relationship with me. You carry Christ. You carry the anointing. And so when we come to church and we experience God the way that we just did so powerfully this morning, God is literally saying to you, I want you to take that to where you work. I want you to take that to your family. I want you to take it to your office. I want you to take it to your business. God wants to fill the earth with his glory. And there are people who will never come to church. It it doesn't matter how good we preach. It doesn't matter what events we'll do. They will never, ever come to church. You are the church that they will encounter. And God says, I want you to take my glory into the earth. As we celebrate Bishop Green and 24 years of service, I want you to think a little bit about what that means. I, I, I have testimonies of what God has done since I've been here. Some really powerful things have happened, and I'm sure there are many of you. Um, Paul, it was right into a church, I believe it was the church in Corinth. Bishop is here, he can give me the answer if I'm wrong. Um, and he said to them, uh, it was either the church in Corinth or the church in Colossians, he says, he says, you know, some people, they have letters of commendation. They, they, they have letters of commendation. He said, I don't need a letter of commendation. He said to that church, he said, you are my epistle. We all here today, 56 Magazine Street, uh, the mission to Honduras, uh, uh, the three-on-three basketball, the men's ministry, that's Bishop's epistle. I don't need to say to myself, is he a man of God or is he not? I look around and I see the work of God. God wants to write stories with your life. God wants to write epistles with your life. And so we are all called to carry the glory of God into the earth. 
Amen. And I know that can feel somewhat disconcerting, overwhelming. Because you, when you look at the world, you look at all that's going on, all the, the craziness at the border with families getting separated from children, children dying in custody, the, the divisiveness in politics, you know, all that's happening in the world. It, it can feel overwhelming to say, how can I be the one that, that's going to do this? How, how can God... But you see, the story of David is instructive for that very reason. Because when Samuel saw Eliab, he said, surely this is the one that God has, has picked. In other words, he looked like a king. He looked kingly. When, when, when he said to, to, to Jesse, bring your sons... Jesse didn't even bring David because he, he, he wasn't regarded. But how many of you know that God doesn't need you to look like anything? He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. The Bible says, the Bible says in, in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul, right? Paul speaking, he says, God has chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He has chosen the weak things to shame the strong. To choose something means that there are options. So God didn't just say, oh, you know, I guess there's nobody else. I'm going to just use you. God literally said, I can pick anybody, but I'm going to pick you. I'm going to pick you for that very reason why you feel like you are not deserving. Your family is broken. Your, 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 your husband's family is broken. But I'm going to pick you two to have a great marriage. You suffered abuse as a child. But I'm going to pick you to be a great parent. You have no education. But I'm going to pick you to be most likely to succeed. God says, I pick the weak things. I pick those foolish things. God is not interested. He himself will make you what he wants you to be. So God, the story of David is, is one of my favorite stories in the scripture. You know, I've, I've, I've had a chance to speak, you know, in prayer meetings here, a few times, a few other things. And I almost always talk about David because I feel like David really is a type of the believer. He's a shadow. The Bible talks about, you know, how the things that were in the Old Testament, they're shadows. I feel like he's a shadow of the believer. Because no matter how flawed you are, no matter how inadequate you feel, the story of David tells us, the story of David reminds, reminds us that God can use anybody. The Bible says concerning David that he did everything that God wanted him to do. Amen. So God wants to fill the earth with his glory through your life. He wants to do great and mighty things. The Bible says in um, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, he said, he has saved us and he has called us 
with a holy calling. Every single one of us is saved and called with a holy calling. It's a sacred calling. You don't get to wear a collar, <laughs> a collar, but it's a holy calling. And that's one of the things that I want to emphasize this morning is you may not feel called. You don't feel deserving. But God says, I want to use you for exactly that reason. You have terrible credit. You don't have any means that you can see or know about. But God says, I want to use you for exactly that reason. Amen. So what does this mean? Um, we're going to skip a few slides. because. So can you go, can you just run through the slides? What does this mean exactly? Yeah. This means that as believers, we need to do certain things in order to really understand the will of God for us and what it is that he has called us to do. And there are two things I want to emphasize today because we don't have a lot of time, but two things that God has been dealing with my heart about, as I mentioned earlier. One of them is the connection with him. See, the glory that God wants to fill the earth with is not our glory. It's his glory. Brother Sahul preached a couple weeks ago, and it was a powerful message where he talked about, um, you know, doing the work with God and how it's like where he said, you know, the way he said it is like God wants to bring water into the building and we're the pipes, right? So God wants to do great things in the earth. God wants to fill the earth with his glory, and we are the, we're the conduit for the glory. The glory that God wants to fill the earth with is not, is not my glory. It's not Bishop's glory. It's not our glory. It's his glory. So the first thing that we need is a connection with God. You cannot do the walk of God without the God of the work. You will frustrate yourself. You will frustrate the people around you. And you will die of exhaustion. That's why Jesus says, come to me, you who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He said, take my, and then, and then he says, he says this, he said, he said, I'll give you rest, but then he says, take my yoke. So you, you, you I mean, rest, what does rest have to do with yoke? Because he calls us to work. But what he's saying is, if you take my yoke and you do the work that I give to you to do, it's going to be an easy thing to do. Because I'm going to do most of the work. You're going to do some stuff that you need to do. But I'm going to do most of the work. So my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Amen? So God calls us to do work. But we must do it in connection with him. The Bible says that the people in Daniel 11.32, the second, the second half of the verse, it says the people that know they are God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. Exploits, great works, are a function of strength. He said, the people that know their God, they shall be strong. And then they shall do exploits. Exploits are a function of strength. Strength is a function of the knowledge of God. You cannot do exploits without strength. You can't build a great marriage without emotional strength. You cannot build a great business without financial strength. You cannot, nothing you want to do, you cannot raise godly kids without strength. 
God says, the people who know they are God, they shall be strong. They will do exploits. But the strength is a function of the knowledge of God. And I want to use an illustration. So I've learned from Bishop. Illustrations are great. So we'll do a quick illustration um, of, of this concept of a connection to God and how it leads to strength. Because the strength is, is then what enables us to do exploits, to do the things that God has called us to do, to build the families that God has called us to build, to, 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 to be a voice in our community for sanity and, and for healing when there is divisiveness and all kinds of craziness. Amen? So, yeah, so um, I'm going to use an illustration that I stole from Bishop. So we just put them this way. So this one this way, this one this way, and then the other one that way. So face it away from this one, so yeah. Um, can I just get three people real quick in the front? Three people, thank you. Thank you. You can sit. Okay. So, the people that know they are God shall be strong and do exploits. Now, as you all know, we are all made of spirit, soul, and body. Right? Your flesh, your body, your senses is your world consciousness. It's how you experience the world. What you hear, what you see what you eat, what you taste, no, your, your senses, this is it. Your soul is your self-consciousness, it's how you perceive yourself, right? And this is your spirit, your God-consciousness. The Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 2 says that the carnal man cannot receive the things of God because... They are spiritually discerned. Meaning, when we are not saved yet, he's dead. So, all that you can... Your self-consciousness only comes from what you feel in your body. So, Elder Nita, I want you to talk to... Just make conversation with Dickness Joyce. So, this is what happens... Your, your sense of who you are, what your purpose is, how, what your life is, is very driven by what you can experience on the outside. This is all that you have. Now, when we get born again, he comes alive. No, keep, keep talking. <laughs> he gets born again. And then he, so you're going to tap her and start talking to her while she's still talking to her. So he starts talking to her because now he's hearing stuff from God and he's telling her, but she's still talking to her. Now, they've known each other a long time. So they're going to talk a lot more. They're going to talk a lot more in, you know, they have more flow, more, you know, they get along better because they've been talking for a long time. And this is what happens to us. But God wants to fill the earth with his glory. So God is talking to him. So I'm going to play God for a second. I say, you are ahead and not the tail. 
You are blessed and you are highly favored. I am your glory. I am the lifter up of your head. I am your comfort, your countenance. I am the help of your countenance. I am your way maker. I am your healer. I am your... So he's talking to him. He's trying to get her attention, your self-consciousness. But she's talking to her. Now, as long as you experience life with more of that than him, we cannot bring the glory of God into the earth. Because when everybody else is angry and mad in the world, you're angry and mad in the world too. See, this is what strength is. Strength is this, that she, yeah, turn around now. Strength is that she, she is more connected to what God is saying than what the world is saying. This is how you lose your job, but don't lose your mind. This is how your kids, this is how your kids are crazy and doing crazy stuff, but you know that God has a plan. This is how you hear bad news, but you keep a good attitude. This is how... This is how we fill the earth with his glory. Because, because, because what he's saying to her, so her view of herself is more real than what's going on around her. When I graduated from business school, it was right in the middle of the, of the, of the Great Recession. Wrongest time to graduate from school. Just a pro tip. You know, don't graduate when, when the recession is <laughs> Especially if you're an international student. Because, because then you need, you need people to sponsor you for a visa. I mean, people are losing their jobs. And I, I need to find a job. But I also need the, the employer to sponsor me. And so I graduated. And, and about half my class, you know, they got jobs. And they went on to do great things. And for about six, seven months, I didn't have a job. And I would go to interviews. And you know, you know I don't know if, if, if anyone's experienced this where you're going, you have a conversation. Married people, they know what I'm talking about. You're having a conversation with somebody. One person says something. And the moment they say it, you know the, the conversation change. You know, conversation doesn't change. Because he looks at you and you know, like you're saying something like, uh, you know, when are you, oh, this is great, great conversation. When are you able to start? And I say, oh, you know, um, I'm an international student. So I need sponsorship. And at that point, you can just kind of tell <laughs> what the outcome of the, of the interview is. And, you know, it was seven months. And, you know, in the end, I got a job. And it was great firm. And, you know, God has blessed me greatly since. But I remember my girlfriend at the time, my wife now, she said something. She said, she said, one of the things that blessed me the most, that, has, that you've done has blessed me the most, is how you handled yourself in that period. She said, because I had a job, it was a great, I mean, she got a great job out of business school. We had a lot of friends who were doing great things. She was like, but you, you weren't bitter, you didn't hide, 
You didn't, you know, you weren't jealous of people. You showed up at everything. You were happy. She was like, and it just kind of, she said, if it was me, I, I, I felt like I would have just been so ashamed. But as I think back now at it, I felt disconnected and I felt frustrated. And I, you know, I, when I went to interviews and I remember, you know, specific interviews where I could just tell, you know, that moment when things changed, when I told them, you know, I could tell. And I, I was like, as I think back at it now, the only reason was because I knew in my spirit that God will take care of me. That like, that like, like, like the psalmist says, like the psalmist says, I, I was young, now I'm old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken. I have not seen his seed beg bread. Though the mountains be destroyed and the, uh, and, and, and the river, uh, though the mountains be destroyed and the, and the earth falls and sea, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. God is in the mist. You know, so I, I, di- I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I was frustrated in the moment, but I wasn't worried. And so I wasn't jealous. Because somebody got a job that didn't, doesn't mean that I wouldn't get my job. But that comes from here. And if we're going to fill the earth with his glory, if we're going to fill the earth with his kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy, we need to have this connection. The other thing that we should have, and I'm running out of time. Thank you. Thank you. The other thing that we should have is we need to have a dedication, a daily commitment to serve. To bring the, to bring the kingdom of God alive through service. We must serve. We must serve. And I don't mean just serve in this church. We should serve in this church because the church needs it. But we should serve out there as well. David's, the key to the story of David is not killing Goliath. A lot of people talk about David and Goliath and how he killed Goliath and he became king. David didn't go to kill Goliath. He went to serve his brothers. Some of us are waiting for Goliath. We're praying for a breakthrough. God, give me a breakthrough. Give me Goliath. I'll kill him and I'll become king. And God is giving you sandwiches. He's saying, go serve your brothers. The key to kingdom greatness is service. God does not call kings. God calls sons who will serve. And through service will become kings. I've run out of time. We got... I have to go. I don't know. I have a lot more, I have a lot more that I plan to say, but I've run out of time. But, but I just want to encourage everyone here today. We need connection. We need a strong connection to God that comes through times of a prayer of personal devotion where God can speak to our hearts the truth of his kingdom and what he wants us to do. And then we need to serve. And you don't need to serve. You see, it's just that where you are. See, David, he was anointed. And the very next day, he went back to, 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 to serving and keeping the sheep. He was anointed to be king. And it took, according to the commentary, you know, because he was a teenager when he was anointed. And he didn't become king until 30. So it took at least a decade and a half 
or something like that before the, the, there was a manifestation. So in the meantime, what did he do? He served. And the reason why he could kill Goliath was because he said, I've done this before. I killed the bear. I killed the lion while serving. You see, if, if David had an attitude and said, you know, they don't like me anyways. And they just gave me this few sheep and, you know, they just keep me out of sight. So I'm just going to, you know. And when the, bear came, when the bear comes, he said, you know what? You can take him. <laughs> and, and when the lion comes, ah, you can take him. When Goliath comes, David is not prepared. But when they give him sheep to keep, he kept it. And, you know, his brother said, few sheep. Few sheep, yes. But when the bear comes, I'm going to kill it. Because he's not going to take my sheep. When the lion comes, he said, no, you're not going to take, you're not going to take my sheep. And because of his faithfulness in service, in, in service that feels and kind of sounds like drudgery. And then his father says, go and give your brother sandwiches. And he doesn't say, oh, you know, they don't like me. No, he goes. And not, he doesn't just leave the sheep. The Bible says he found another shepherd to keep the sheep. So we, it, it matters how we serve. It matters how we serve. Don't serve anyhow. Don't show up late. Don't, don't, don't commit and then flake. We have to serve. We have to serve well. And God, who sees your service in secret, will reward you in hope. He has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God is getting ready to do something great in your life. The key is service. Service that will bring his name and his influence into the earth. God bless you.